Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello, back to schoolers. This is Terry Fedonzak with our third bonus call with Corinne Motokaitis. Um, Corinne is a dear friend of mine and an amazing life coach and a very famous podcaster and also um, coaches a swim team and has an illustrious career as a swimmer herself. And today we're going to be talking about the transformational properties of team sports. Welcome, Corinne. Terry, it's great to be here with you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I got I have to say I'm a bit I'm a bit trepidatious about interviewing the interviewer, which is <laughs> probably why I'm using big words like trepidatious <laughs> to make myself feel better. So be gentle with me, Corinne. Well, I'm not too comfortable on this side of it, too. I like to control things. Yeah, well there you go. Ooh, and there's a topic we could talk for thirty minutes about just to you know, the wanting to control things. But today, we're talking about team sports. And um, and this all came about, Corinne, because of one little phrase that you said to me when we first met, or maybe it was after we first met, but it just stuck in my head, which was high school sports are transformational. And when mm-hmm. you said that, I didn't, I, I, my Emily, my little one, who is the only one of my four children that has been involved in team sports, um, was just starting, so I didn't really know what you meant. So can you speak a little bit to what you meant by that phrase, high school sports are transformational? Um, because you could be, you could really struggle as an athlete early on, and um, maybe it comes together, like things start to come together for you. And so who you once were as an athlete can really change in high school. I've, I've watched PUDs become studs and really redefine how they view themselves. And that's a, that's a tough thing to do as well, because if you view yourself as a, a non-athlete, to go from believing you're a non-athlete to an athlete is tough. But high school sports are transformational because you can really change who you are as an athlete. I love that because, and the the little blog post that I'm sending out as an introduction for this call was like I was overweight and kind of a brainiac and never saw myself as an athlete. But mm-hmm. when my brother um, sort of explained the the physics of basketball to me, I was I was intrigued. I was really mm-hmm. intrigued. And so I started practicing and figured out that I could move my body in ways that I really didn't know that I could, and that feeling, and what I'd like you to speak to is that feeling of being part of, you know, like like one little cog in a bigger wheel, and how together we can do more than one single person can alone, and that's what I see as the beauty of team sports. Okay, so one thing I want to clarify, because I, I do run um, a youth swim team, okay. and a lot of people don't believe swimming is a team sport. And I've also coached water polo, which is definitely considered a team sport. Right. Um, so there may be some people out there say, oh, swimming, it's individual. 
Now, you're on the block and you're by yourself, mm-hmm. but you need a tr- team to train with. Right. And so you are part of a team. It's just not, oh, pass me the ball and, let, sh- and let me hit it. Right. right. There's different components of it. So... Uh, I still I still believe swimming is a team sport, but that's a very new concept for a lot of people because uh-huh. people will see it as an individual sport. And your question was, why is it important? I'm sorry. No, it was it was the the um, yeah. Why is why is the team portion of the team sport so important? That you know, how does that translate to kids that may not think that? They, you know, they have enough talent to even go out for a sport. Like, why, why is it worth it? Why is it worth it to go ahead and, you know, swallow your fear and, and go out and try out anyway? So that's a really good question. Um, one of the things that happens, I have a saying that small hinges can move big doors. Mm. And so maybe you're not thinking, oh, I'm going to go to state right off the bat, especially if you don't think you're a very good athlete. Mm-hmm. But if you have a friend on the team that's doing something and you're like, hey, they can do that, I want to be a part of that. Yeah. And and then you see somebody else do something and you're like, hey, I can do that. And this even happened this summer my daughter's coaching. She's on our junior coaching staff and she was working with, we call her Little Monsters. And she said, it's so great because when I can get this one girl to come and swim to me, then the little boy comes and swims to me. Yeah. And my husband said to her, well, that's the same thing as Olympians. Once you get one Olympian to go, then the next Olympian goes. Mm. So what happens and why it's so powerful to be with other people is we have our own mental blocks and we make, it, we make the reality way scarier than it is. Uh. But when you see somebody else do it, you're like, oh, okay, I could do this. Or the other side is, well, if they're suffering and they can get through it, I can suffer and get through it too. Yeah. Right? There's that common humanity piece. So, you know, it, it goes back to that we are, we are much stronger when we're with other people than we're alone. Yeah. Yeah. And even, even as you said, even in a sport that some people would consider an individual sport because it's only you and the block, um, it's still better to be there with other people. It's still energizing and empowering and I I teach a um, a writing circle I, I coach a writing circle and we have these writing sprints where everybody is online at the same time and they're all writing now we're not writing the same thing we're not doing anything different except being online we're not even face to face being online at the same time and over and over and over again um, I have people saying how much better their writing is just knowing that there is a group there to support them. Mm-hmm. That, I think, is amazing, and it's even stronger when you're face-to-face. Mm-hmm. Um, so and one thing that I, just, I wanted you to speak to a little bit, because I, I heard this from one of, my mom, one of my moms that signed up for this class, which it, and sort of emphatically, my daughter does not do team sports. Like, I could, I could hear it in caps, you know. My daughter does not do team sports. And so what is the perception that, that, you, um, that you see over and over again? What's the perception of teen sports that may keep kids out of it, that may keep kids not, you know, not swallowing their fear and, and going ahead and, and going forward with it? I think the number one thing is my kid's not good enough or my okay. kid doesn't believe that they're good enough, Okay. doesn't want to let the team down. There's too much pressure. 
Yeah. There's a lot. There's a huge fixed mindset when it comes to athletics, and there's a uh, most of our culture really believes that you are either talented or you're not. Mm. And as a coach, as a life coach, as a swim coach, I really believe that talent is grown and it's created. And there's been some really good research about that. And Dan Quill, who's been a guest on my show, has a great book called The Talent Code, mm-hmm. and uh, and it, his stuff. I mean, I believe it. It's part of the process that we use. So. Um, but yet a lot of people have a fixed mindset and they let their child's inabilities, athletic inabilities, define yes. them. Yes. So speak a little bit more to the, to the talent code, if you, if you would, because um, some of the listeners may not have read that book, which I think is fabulous. And so the premise of the book is? That talent is created, it's not born. And what, what Dan did is, and he's really involved, like, as a parent in the Little League baseball and stuff with his kids. And then he's also been a sports writer and uh, written a lot about the Tour de France and Lance Armstrong. So he really has an understanding of the grassroots to the elite levels. And he was trying to figure out, excuse me, why some people, you know, what, why were these hotbeds of success? And he did it in athletics, math, uh, academics, and music. And he kind of noticed that there were these different hotbeds. And um, what was making one area, like in the Caribbean, there's one island that produces a lot of Major League Baseball players. And the island next to it doesn't really. What's the difference? Yeah. And But what it all came down to was, um, you know, practice, having deliberate practice, and being willing to master something. The mindset, you know, Carol Dweck's from Stanford, her mindset, like having a growth mindset where you don't define yourself by your mistakes, but you look at it from a place of what can I learn from this? And then the other factor was the coaching that you had. And I say that really cautiously because what's happening nowadays I see in youth sports is parents are team hopping Mm -hmm. to make the situation happen because of based on maybe what their friends or other peers will say. Uh And um, they're chasing after the coach. And sometimes, um, you know, some some programs, you're really fortunate to have the coach. So you've got to be very careful with that because if you keep switching from coach to coach to coach every year, yes. you know, that's like having a new husband every year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, we, and all the time that you've put into training the current one just goes right out the window. Yeah. 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 And I, and I think that I, – and I see the same thing in volleyball is that, um, you know, and, and I'm starting a volleyball club as we speak, and I'm talking to these huge club directors in Atlanta that have these, you know, thousand kids in their club, and I'm saying, you know, what is, what's the number one no-no? And they said letting coaches follow their team. You know, if you have a program from a, for a multi-leveled age bracket, you know, you start, in, in our program we're going to start the travel teams at 12 to 18, um, ages 12 to 18, and they said if you if you let the the um, group the team follow their coach or their coach follows the team up the up the age ladder, what'll happen is same kind of thing that you're talking about. It's cherry picking. You know they don't they don't get the breadth the the um, breadth of the experience because they don't get the ability to adjust to a new coach. Everything mm-hmm. is something that they already. They've already seen. They they know what to expect. So then they don't get that growth mindset because it's sort of a replicate, you know, replication of what they did last year. And and the thing that I see in team sports is that it teaches kids to adjust 
to whatever circumstances are laid in their lap for that day. Do you see the same thing? See, we have a really different philosophy than that. Okay. Um, so like Michael Phelps, who's you know, arguably the best swimmer maybe in the world or of all time, uh-huh. he's been with his coach Bob Bowman since he was about nine years old. And I think Phelps is 28. Okay. And so that's a very unheard of relationship. The program that I run is kind of based on that type of a model. Okay. Because it takes a while to learn. Uh-huh. Um, how just to get to know each other right. and really understand like what's really going on below the surface. Right. Now, with that being said, there's still the agility because um, we our coaching coaches coach very collaboratively. Uh-huh. So um, you know, and it's always about the child focus. So and I, and and not just in the sport of swimming. That's you know, I do think that it's important to have to be able to be agile, like you were mentioning. Yeah. Where. You know, if I'm gone and one of the coaches comes in and subs for my group, there's an easy transition to that. Um, But but in in our program, the way we've decided to run it, because some programs like to every two years you change coaches, Uh um, and that's fine. And I think it more importantly it aligns with what what is your belief system? You know, as the director, this is what we really believe is what works, and it's what works for us, and it's what works for the kids that we have. Interesting. Um, So. So it's it's do the do our values line up with the people that we're serving? Right, right, and that and I think that again goes back to that whole why are you in it? You know why why are you in this team sports arena, and what can it what can it do for your child? And that's something that I've seen. Um, and and the reason that we will be having you know the teams will stay together, but the coaches will stay at a level is because, just like you said, we're going to have a very foundational philosophy of what we're teaching, you know, what, what life skills we're teaching as well as what volleyball skills we're teaching. And I believe that, you know, team sports is just as much about life skills as it is about athletic skills. Would you agree mm-hmm. with that? Absolutely. And um, I think sports, just sports in general, any sport that you do, is it's it's the – it's the arena for kids where they get to really own their experience. Yes. And, um, you know, where so much of their lives are really controlled or, um, you know, there's the outcome driven. You know, the thing that's great about athletics is that there's no script, yeah. right? And that's why we still love sports as a nation because, you, you know, there's a script to television shows and to movies. But there's so much uncertainty in sports. So it's one thing that we don't like, but it's the one thing we love in sports. So it teaches, you know, kids to be resilient. It teaches them to believe in themselves. It teaches um, confidence, right? It teaches the idea of like, okay, going after for what you want, and then what are you going to do? What are the things you're going to do? It teaches, you know, how to deal with the drama that's in your head. Yeah. Yeah. And and that is so huge. And, And that sort of uncertainty um, I see it played out, you know, we went to nationals um, this year. My daughter's volleyball team went to nationals. And there was this team that was from, um, I was from Missouri, powerhouse team, like w- wins everything. And we go up to play them. And I said, you know, the, the parents, I could see them like, oh, God, you know, here we go. We're going to play this powerhouse team. And I went around. I t- talked to all the, all the girls um, and all the parents, and I said, any given Sunday. Anything can happen any given Sunday, mm-hmm. and darned if we didn't beat that team. And we're mm-hmm. this tiny little team from northwest Florida that nobody's ever heard of, but any given Sunday, something new 
can happen. Can you speak to that a little bit? Absolutely, and that's that's the great thing about sports is that on any given Sunday, anything's possible, right? So if you walk in with the mindset of, oh, my gosh, here's this powerhouse team, and they're going to beat us because that's what they do, and you define them that way, and you define yourself as less than, the result's probably going to be that way. Yeah. But if you believe that anything is possible, how can I control my mind so that I can show up as my best self yeah. right here, right now? And and that that's that's the thing about you know, great athletes is that they are really good at controlling their mind and, you know, being willing to like just lay it out on the line and say, okay, what's going to happen? If I really go all in, what will happen? I mean, so many, so often athletes are afraid to go all in because, well, what if they don't get what they want? Outcome. Mm -hmm. Outcome driven. So speak a little bit to how you see kids, um, and I would presume knowing you, that you guys, your program is a growth mindset program. So it's not necessarily, I mean, everybody loves to win, of course, but it's not the, it's not the outcome-driven um, program that, that is over the long haul successful in teaching life skills. It's the program that teaches the process, and you just keep showing up and giving everything you possibly can on the quarter in the pool and then the outcome is you're a winner regardless of the score. I mean, is that how you guys approach it? Yeah, well, that word winner is a huge trigger word, so we don't use that. But, yeah, oh, we good. are very focused on process. Okay. And in the program, it's always about process. And um, so let me to explain growth mindset and fixed mindset. Carol Dweck from Stanford did some great research about why are some kids successful and some kids not. And it came down to mindset and the kids – she, it was an elaborate study that she did, but basically she gave them this really hard test. And she told them, she took really smart kids and gave them a really hard test. And she said, look, you're probably not going to do well on this. Mm-hmm. And the kids who, they, a lot of them got 64%. The kids with what was a fixed mindset, they saw that and they went, oh my gosh, this is evidence that I'm a fraud. Mm-hmm. Right? Even though they've been labeled a smart kid and highly intelligent kid. The kids with the growth mindset saw the 64% and said, wow. What is it that I didn't get right? Like, what can I learn? Right? When they were retaking the exact same test, which she told them prior to taking the first exam, that they would retake the exact same test, Mm -hmm. the kids with the fixed mindset got worse scores. (laughs) The kids with the growth mindset improved their scores. So Carol has said, the thoughts that you think can create the results in your life. Right? So what do you believe about yourself? If you believe, okay, this is going to define me, Right, This outcome, whether we win this game or not, is going to define me. And I, I thought a lot of that in my career growing up as an athlete. Right, You were either talented or you're, you weren't. Um, if you didn't do well, that's because your time was over. You know, Very oh. fixed mindset type of thing. Um, but really, we try to focus on a growth mindset. And when I say try, one of the things that Carol has said is that nobody is all growth or all fixed. Right. It's a continuum. And, you know, when you start to realize what are your shame triggers, what are your own beliefs, and as you become more successful, people think, oh, it becomes this easy golden path. And what happens is that you start to arrive to certain levels, maybe levels that you never thought were possible, and then you start to have more shame. Because then it's like, am I really deserving of this? Right? I didn't see myself as this, like getting comfortable at that next level. And so those are the things that can occur. But, yes, in our program, we definitely are process oriented and we're definitely you know we work on being a a growth mindset program right 
And it seems to me that if you have that, I'm I am per, I'm the perennial student. I'm always le- learning. I'm always growing. If I whiff a pass today, that doesn't mean that I'm going to whiff a pass in five minutes. Like it's mm-hmm. done. What did I do? What can I learn from this? And if you're you're always a student of your own life, I mean, I think that and and the the sort of managing of those thoughts of oh my god, you missed that pass, you suck. You know, no, not no, I don't. I'm learning, and mm-hmm. and having that sort of open-ended mind frame, I think, is the biggest magic in team sports. That, and of course, the the thought that I'm I'm not all alone. You know, because mm-hmm. that I'm all alone thought can shut down, especially girls. You know, the whole mean girl syndrome that that we're seeing in schools today. I think it 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 stems from that. I'm all alone thought. And so when you're put into a situation where you're absolutely not alone, you're in a team, you know, you're supposed to be in this group of people, it starts to erode that, that, you know, in the life coach biz, we call it a limiting belief, but that thought that just kind of shuts us down. So can you speak to how that works in team sports? What do you mean, the I'm not alone or the mean yeah. girls? Yeah, that, well, the I'm not, kind of, those are both sort of the, the opposite ends of the spectrum. Because when I'm not alone, I'm going to do, if, if I feel like I'm all alone, then I'm going to do anything I possibly can to be part of any group I possibly can. So, well, you, so you're you really have to be, people that you really have to be, in a, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, I was just going to say, so you may, you may be chasing after that, that mean girl rainbow. Like, I want to be part of the popular group because when I get in there, then I'll be okay, as opposed to being part of a team that has a common goal. Well, the mean girl thing is it's all it's shame-based. It's yeah. all rooted in scarcity. There's not enough. Yeah. So I need to keep these ivory gates up so that I'm here and they're there. Right. And that actually happens on a lot of female-driven sports, collegiately, you know, high school-wise. So it can, and that's where team sports can be really devastating. Mm-hmm. And even, like, swimming can be devastating. So and it's getting out of that scarcity mindset and into, like, okay, you're not taking from me. Right, like if that we are way stronger together than we are separately. I mean, you can't be on a volleyball team and not have other strong players. Right. Your team's not going to be as good. You can't be every position. Right. Right. And so you need to have the different players, and and there's different things that you do, and it doesn't mean one is more important than the other. Right. Right. So. Um, and I think that that's something that's really important, and to learn that in team sports is really huge. Yeah. And I did an interview recently with, from actually one of my husband's former athletes who um, was in the Air Force, and he was this badass fighter pilot and one top gun and, oh you know, highly distinguished and decorated career. Yeah. But one of the things that he said um, about being a former athlete is he really considered being an athlete being somebody who was well-balanced, which was the first time I had ever heard that. Because mm. usually I hear from parents who are resistant to doing sports, oh, I want them to be well-balanced. Yeah. I don't want them to go in, you know, to this elite level or this right. collegiate level of, of athletics because right. then we have to give up too much. And what he meant by it was learning how to work with a group of people for a common goal. Yes. And yes. so, when, you know, when you can get out of scarcity and realize we are enough, it, we don't need to compare and despair or try to want, even in, in the comparison of superiority, yes. that's still shame-based. Yes. Right. And so realizing that we are stronger together and we can be on a team for this common goal. And that, that's just something that takes practice and, you know, some good coaching and 
um, and also some kids who can be resilient with that because there's a lot of triggers, especially, you know, in the so-called race to nowhere in, in collegiate athletics or in college and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and the other thing that, you know, I, I think is um, it plays into this whole shame business and this whole compare and despair business is the parents. <laughs> and so what can you tell parents that are listening to this call, you know, what's the best role that a parent plays um, when their kid is in team sports? What's the best thing they can possibly do for their kids to be successful? It, you know, whatever their definition of successful is, but what's the best thing that they can do? Well, there's a variety of things. One is that find a program that align with your family values mm-hmm. and that you can believe in. So that that's the most important thing. If they don't align with your values, then you're not in the right program. Nice. Okay, then the other thing is... Um, what really goes down on the field is not a reflection of who you are as a parent or your own worthiness. Oh, you're already that's wor- huge. Yeah, you're already worthy. So what you're you're just holding the space for your child and be ready to be very uncomfortable. You're going to be tremendously vulnerable as a parent, and that's part of the process. So, but again, it doesn't define you. It doesn't define your child. And never try to take away their pain, because the one thing that we all want our kids to be is parents will always say to me they want their kids to be happy. Yeah. But you, the, here's the problem with that, is that if like, oh, I want them to be happy, I'm going to put them in bubble wrap and so that they never get scratched, mm. they're, they're not going to learn how to be resilient. They're not going to learn how to be hopeful people. And you can't be happy, truly happy, without going through struggle. You need to feel all the emotions. Absolutely. And so that's the great thing about sports is that their hearts are going to hurt like no other mm-hmm. when you play sports and you get an outcome that does not go with your belief system, that does not go with all your training, it's going to hurt. Yeah. But just like the physical pain is temporary, the emotional pain is temporary. I love that. But then what I see parents do is they try to take it away. No, I just want you to be happy. But you can't be happy without feeling that sadness doesn't mean we need to go looking for it or creating it because it's going to happen. You play sports, there's going to be, especially in team sports, there's a winner and there's a loser, right? right? At least in my sport, like I don't have to worry about winners because we just, we're looking at how can you go best time. Right. Right. You can be Scott Welch and go to the Olympics and get fifth, but you go best time and you can walk away and go, I have no regrets. Right. 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 It, it, in volleyball, it's much harder because there's one winner, there's one loser. Right. Right. And I'm, you know, I'm wondering if you can give parents. This, I heard this somewhere. I can't remember where it was. Or I, I read an article about the one, the best thing that you can tell your kid as a parent. The best thing you can tell your kid is, "I love watching you play." Do you have some language that, you know, parents can kind of as a go-to when their their kid does really poorly, they whiff a pass, they, you know, they lose whatever. Do you have some language that they can kind of can hang on to to sort of um, erase, eradicate, or get over their own vulnerability and shame. Something that that they can go to. Something like I love watching you play. Yeah, I think it goes back to like the intention. Why are you there? Mm-hmm. Right. And so if it's an opportunity, I mean, there have been times that I made this choice. You know, I'm at the pool a lot, and my my daughter was swimming high school this year. 
she was going to her sections meet, and part of me was like, oh, I could just write down later with my friends, and I don't have to go that early for warm-up. Mm-hmm. And then I thought about it. I said, wait a second, this is an opportunity to connect with my teenager on the drive down. Yes. Even if it's 12 words that are exchanged. Yes. So, you know, so a lot of times it's that I just want her to know that I love her, and I'm willing to be there. Right, and it's an opportunity for us to connect. Um, and I think sometimes we think we have to do all kinds of crazy stuff to prove it. But a lot of times, especially for the teenagers, they just really want our wallet and to know that we're there. It's kind of like when they were little toddlers and we go to the park, yeah. and they start to get brave and they would kind of go further away. And then they come back just to check to, you know, they saw us just to touch us, like, okay, you're still real, you're right. there, right. and go back. And I find that with the teenagers as well. So you know, I love watching you play. I'm just so thankful that I get to be a part of this experience. Because yeah. the other side is that, um, and I don't know how much volunteering that goes on volleyball, but you know, when parents realize that when they volunteer in sports, mm-hmm. um, how impactful it is because their their child then is not burdened with also making that time valuable for them. Mm-hmm. The child is getting to be a part of something that's great, like connected and a part of something. And when you as a parent can volunteer and support the team and whatever, right. then that's your way of being involved and being connected with this team. Right. So you, both parties get something instead of the kid feeling burdened that, oh, I'm dragging my parents to this other right. tournament. Oh, that's a beautiful, I love that point, Corinne, because I think the more opportunities that we take when our kids are teens, because their whole job as teens is to pull away from us. That's what they're supposed mm-hmm. to do. They're supposed to become independent. So the more the more opportunities we can take that are sort of crafted around us being together in a really you know, non-judgmental, not scripted way. It's just we happen to be at the same place at the same time because we're supporting each other. Oh, my God, that's huge. And as you said, driving your daughter down, that is time that you would not normally have. And great things can grow from that. You know, mm-hmm. magical things can grow from that. If you're if you're in a learning experience with your daughter, whether you're getting the crap kicked out of you on the court or you're really, really successful and play very well, you're there with them. That mm-hmm. is huge. Thank yeah. you for bringing that up. I really, really appreciate it. And strangely enough, we're almost out of time. That went so fast. Oh, my goodness. Of course it did. It was the two of us talking. I know. I know. So please tell um, tell my people how they can find you if they want to listen to your podcast, if they want to hire you for coaching. What What are you doing? How can they reach you? So my website is www.howshereallydoesit.com, howshereallydoesit.com, and I have, gosh, I don't know, over 450 hours of shows on my site. It's also available on iTunes, and there's information about coaching and stuff there as well, but there's a lot of great free content for you to just dive into. Oh, it's amazing. I love, I I have all of your podcasts loaded up on my iPhone, and I'll go for walks, and I'll I'll fire one up, or if I go on trips where I'm driving to volleyball games. I am listening to podcasts. It's absolutely amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here with me today, Corinne. I appreciate you taking the time out. And uh, and I hope that we have uh, laid the case for team sports as a transformational thing for your team. Well, thank you, Terry. It's been a pleasure. It's been, it's been wonderful. Thanks so much. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.